On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors put together an offensive masterclass and take down the Oklahoma City Thunder. Did they find the formula that will finally make this team not so frustrating and irritating to watch? We shall see if they can keep it up. The starters continue to rule as well. Is the other shoe going to drop for that lineup as tougher competition lies ahead? We'll get into all of that, plus the good, the bad, and the hmm with our pal Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1362 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, March the 17th. Happy St. Patty's Day! Uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. Please uh, don't get mad at me for my very bad Irish accent. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can find all of my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube as well. Please join the more than 3,000 satisfied customers who have subscribed to the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel free of charge. This is not what we ask you to do to support the show. It's a free podcast. Supporting it in a little small way, like subscribing, following, telling a friend, is always much appreciated. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started all right on today's show the toronto raptors pick up their second straight win at home on this homestand six straight win at home overall with a 128 111 uh i would say pretty convincing win over a decent oklahoma city's thunder team which has of course shea gilgis alexander who is uh, ridiculously good at basketball and yet the raptors were able to withstand and put together one of their better offensive nights of the season. Along today to break it all down is our pal Vivek Jacob. Big V, that was fun. That was fun. I mean, best of both worlds, right? Like, if you're a fan, mm-hmm. you got to see Shea Cook. I mean, the Raptors tried. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> tried. Um, but Shea is just that good. And so you got to see him cook. Um, you got a lot of fun back and forth. You got some super highlight reel plays. Mm-hmm. And then you got a Raptors W in sure very did. comfortable fashion. Yeah, they've had a couple of these lately where they've won without having to, uh, you know, the last two games, winning without it just being like a massive ball of stress eating up my innards. Uh, it's really nice. It's really <laughs> relaxing. It reminds me, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be fun, right? And it is. It's a, it's a good time <laughs> with the Raptors play like they did last night. And I think for me, my big takeaway from this one, Big V, is, is that... We really saw, like, if you're the kind of person, probably like me, who's going to argue all offseason long that, hey, there's something worth salvaging here, there's something worth building upon here, this is the formula, this is the game you use as your, like, top-line argument, because it all came together, and the Raptors starters continued to just be really, really excellent. They put this game away, it felt like, in the fourth quarter with just some really beautiful basketball but like whenever they're on the floor I just feel very very good Big V and I think you know the offense has obviously been the biggest 
problem for that group. The defense, I think, is going to hold up pretty darn well. All told on the season, uh, you know, in their time together, eight games, 163 minutes. They have 106.4 defensive rating. That's really freaking good. That would be the best in the league by quite a mile uh, if that were to be protracted over a full season, which it's not, but still. Uh, and the offense has performed quite well in that lineup as well. But, you know, still, I think anecdotally, watching the eye test, it still felt a little bit cramped. Pascal Siakam, obviously, has seemed a little bit out of sorts and has yet to kind of figure out his role until last night where it just kind of felt like everybody settled into what they're supposed to be doing in that five-man unit you have scotty barnes seemingly get more getting more comfortable with the sort of wing creator type role as opposed to the center that he was mostly playing when he was at his best this season uh but let's begin with pascal as far as guys to break down 25 points 14 boards eight assists nine of 19 from the field three of five from deep great to see there as well um this was coming, right? Like this, it always felt like the dam was going to burst at some point with Pascal. It's been a struggle, of course. But uh, thoughts on his return to form? Was there anything in particular you saw from Pascal that sort of differentiated this game from the ones in which he struggled over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I, I think the aggressive uh, intent to like really be proactive in the paint, right? Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. right from the beginning, it was like, okay, I'm going to get involved inside, rebound the basketball and get myself a bunch of easy ones to start, right? And obviously, mm -hmm. he didn't make uh, some of the free throws to start, and he <laughs> joked about how he just wasn't used to being in the at the line in so long, uh, <laughs> and that took some getting used to. But I think just getting that confidence back up with getting a few easy ones, and then you saw, um, you know, he was able to pull up for a mid-ranger, and it's like, okay, you kind of build your game out that way, right? Mm -hmm. And then... You know, in the second half, he's able to fake a pass and just take the three, no problem. And all of a sudden, everything's clicking, right? So I think mm -hmm. it all started with that first quarter where he was like, I am going to get in the paint. And whether it's getting it off the glass or just going up strong, uh, that's how my game is going to come together. And everything just sort of fed off that from there. 100%. And the other thing, too, I think, is we saw in this game, I think we've seen it now a couple of games in a row, where that sort of second unit has featured Pascal as the primary guy over Scotty Barnes. And I really like that, V. I think that is a good way to kind of get Pascal a little bit more space. He's got some shooting around him with Gary Trent Jr., Will Barton out there, even Boucher, you know, will space and stand in the corners. The effectiveness of those threes, you know, waxes and wanes. But uh, I think just having Pascal kind of with that room to operate gives him, you know, a lot of just extra driving lanes, extra space to pull off that footwork that he's so good with. I'm going to be thinking about that spin move into the Euro step for quite some time. That was a gorgeous bit of footwork and just like all in one motion speaks to, I think, the craft Pascal Siakam brings to the table. Um, but yeah, those second units, I thought, you know, you pair them with Gary Trent Jr. and the three bench guys at the very start. And then in the fourth quarter, they go Pascal, Gary, OG with Boucher and Coloco. And having OG out there just as like an extra bit of shooting, secondary creation. I really like that look. I'd like to see more of that. And this is the thing with this team, right? They have a lot of guys who can kind of have their own little pockets of the game. You have Fred Van Vliet going off to start the game. You have Scotty Barnes picking his spots here and there. Pascal as well. I think there can be a lot of interconnectivity with it. But the other thing, too, is over 48 minutes, you can have each of these guys kind of get their little segments of the game where they can go get their numbers. Maybe that addresses the sort of the, the ball sharing concerns that have kind of been a thing over the course of this season. Um, when those three guys are together, it's I think the thing that's standing out to me, 
with that lineup is, you know, even though, again, it hasn't looked super smooth all the time, the numbers have suggested it's been a lot more successful than it's maybe looked to the eye test, but there's just a lot of ways for them to conjure offense, right? Like you can have Scotty just go and do his sort of drive, bully himself into the rim and figure things out from there. You have the Pascal, you know, the the probing, ball handling sort of forays into the middle of the floor. You have the Yak and Fred pick and roll. You have Yak working the elbows and throwing endless lobs to OG and Anobi cutting baseline. Um, are, are you starting to feel like, let, let's just... You know, look, it's played. It's been it's been eight games. <laughs> They've played a grand total of 163 minutes together. The competition has been okay, but not like amazing. You know, they play the Wizards twice. They're fine. They played the Bulls. The Bulls are actually playing pretty well right now. They've been a little frisky, but they're the Bulls. They've played a struggling Nuggets team, a Thunder team that, while they're not amazing, are a top 10 defense. So that got to count for something, I would say. They got the Clippers, Lakers in there. Are you worried that there's like another shoe to drop with this lineup or do you think that they kind of have the juice here to kind of build a positive progression of what they're doing and just kind of refine what they've been doing as opposed to seeing some sort of drop back in their effectiveness? Yeah, not so much worried, but as opposed to just curious and, Mm -hmm. you know, what does a team like Boston or Milwaukee kind of expose, right? And so I think, uh, you know, obviously, we know Milwaukee will happily go into their drop coverage, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you've got Brook Lopez protecting the rim. So, uh, what, what challenges uh, d- uh, does that present? Um, if Robert Williams is healthy for the Celtics, what does that present? Right, and then mm-hmm. obviously, you got Philly with the whole Joel Embiid guy. <laughs> and Never so, heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think that's where my curiosity comes in. Like right from the beginning. The thing I've been most curious about um, is what the ceiling of that five is when you've got such limited shooting from mm-hmm. Pascal, mm-hmm. Scotty, and Yak, right? And yeah. so uh, right now they've made up for it with a lot of uh, good movement, uh, ball movement and player movement, and I think just a lot of uh, synchronization uh, in terms of people understanding where they need to be, when to move, um, and you mentioned the Fred Yak pick and roll that has just been absolutely magnificent to watch. So I think those are the tests that I'm waiting to see to like have a real gauge of what the ceiling is. Because mm-hmm. do I think, you know, after playing though that level of team, will they still have a net rating of plus 17? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So I think that's sort of just what I'm curious to see. Uh, not so much worried. Um Quick little thing, uh, you know, you had mentioned how Will Barton shooting kind of waxes and wanes. But what mm-hmm. I will say is encouraging to me is when you compare to what the options were before, as yeah. good as Jeff Doughton was defensively, people weren't racing out to contest his three. Mm-hmm. Similar with Malachi Flynn, right? And now yeah. when I look at Will Barton catch, they they are rushing out to him. And so I think that's a level of spacing and respect uh, that he's brought to whatever five-man unit he's with that's mattered. For sure. Uh, I actually have a note on Will Barton a little later on that's uh, less positive than yours, but that's your your point's well taken, even if maybe I don't like watching Will Barton all that much in the grand scheme. <laughs> we'll get into that. We'll also get on the other side. I, you, I 
glad you brought up the idea of like how does the offense cope against teams that are going to be a little bit more equipped to stop their um you know their bread and butter sets the stuff that they're getting good looks out of right now we'll get to that question as well momentarily before we do that however i've got to tell you about our good friends over at nissan who are bringing you once again the nissan aria most electric player of the week and it's brought to you again by the all-electric 2023 nissan aria and this week your electric player of the week is none other than og ananobi who in the last three games is averaging 24 a game three boards 1.7 assists 2.7 steals he's shooting 61 percent from three and he's thrown down two of the loudest nastiest dunks the toronto raptors thrown down all season long he climbed josh giddy last night in the way he climbed over uh aaron gordon nicole Jokic for that fiercely elegant put back a couple nights ago elegantly powerful in the way he dunked over josh giddy the way he's getting around he's moving very gracefully and he's very much been an electric player for the toronto raptors over this last week delivering on everything that the nissan aria 2023 brings as well the 2023 nissan aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one ev the all-new all-electric 2023 nissan aria the ev for people who love to drive shop now at nissanusa.com all right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Big V along as we break down the Toronto Raptors' comfortable 128-111 win over the Thunder. Uh, continuing and picking up on the offense side of things for the starting lineup. The thing that I think really sort of stood out to me in this game was like the big-to-big passing, the interior passing, the scoring. I mean, they just like bludgeoned the the rim in terms of attempts they didn't actually shoot all that well at the rim in this game there were 21 of 37 uh but they got to the rim a ton and they were really i think making use of just the the ability that a guy like scotty barnes a guy like pascal siakam and yakapurto all have in those sort of close quarters situations to me like that's gonna have to be their counter to the lack of three-point shooting it's they have to just own the two-point battle they have to make good on all of those guys touch in close and you can't be missing bunnies you can't be having off night shooting from there because otherwise you're going to get out mathed most nights um even when the defense is pretty stout which it is it's really good um scotty barnes in particular you know, we talked about this, I think, last week uh, about his sort of really rough season shooting from two-point range. Encouraging stuff, at least in recent times. The last seven games, Big V. Scotty Barnes, do you want to guess what he's shooting at the rim in the last seven games? Um, I will say 72%. Oh, way low. He is shooting 90% at the rim since <laughs> March the 1st. Uh, a big, significant change considering where Scotty Barnes likes to get to, where his shots come from, where he's able to kind of find himself pretty regularly on the floor just because he's able to get to his spots. That's his spot. Uh, he's also shooting uh, quite well from the long mid-range as well, which has been a nice little change. We've seen him use that a little bit more often. Um, and I think he's just kind of getting more comfortable in that sort of wing creator role where that's going to be a shot that is offered to him quite a bit. Nice to see that falling a little bit here as well. Um, just, uh, I think a really encouraging stretch here from Scotty, just kind of, it almost seems like he's just got like more composure when he's in and around the close areas, uh, you know, he's throwing down dunks, all this stuff. Um, do you think that Scotty kind of rediscovering the two point magic we saw last season is enough 
to give that lineup the cushion in the situations where the three-point shooting is maybe not going to carry them to wins. Um, do you think Scotty's, you know, just improved touch and hopefully, you know, kind of a return to what he did last year can be the kind of answer, the salve to kind of keep this thing humming and make it so that front court of Siakam, Barnes, and, and Pirtle can work? Um, if Pascal is shooting the three, then yes, I would say yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Pascal goes three for five. Uh, and yeah, I think it looks pretty good. And obviously you've mm-hmm. got OG and Fred doing their thing. Um, mm-hmm. And Gary had a nice bounce back game, right? So I think there, there's got to be enough shooting still around him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think him just having that shot like definitively changes um, the outlook or ceiling of that five. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will say is, you know, he is maximizing his ceiling mm-hmm. this season. Right. And so I think if you compare uh, his process from the first, say, 30 games of the season, I think he's essentially just cut out all the fat. Right. Yeah. All the bad fat, like those long twos, the, you know, five dribbles and then a three Um, (laughs) like, yeah, that that stuff is gone. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I think that has simplified things. Uh, Jakob Pertl has simplified things. And so I think the approach now is something that maximizes his ceiling within that five. I will say that. Yeah, I think, um, and ultimately, I think that is the sort of pathway to this team. If you're going to keep it together, if you're going to keep, you know, the, this group, which again, last night, pretty good argument in favor of doing that and seeing it over a longer haul. I think. Scotty is obviously like the vehicle for improving the overall ceiling of the team. And if he's expanding upon his own ceiling within the context of this starting five, that's going to mean good things for everybody, I think. Um, just a little another note here. He's up to 55.2% on twos in March, which is way better than the even 50% he's been at all season. Again, it's just seven games. It's very early days here, but uh, you know we got to look at progress where we can find it. And uh it just it's such a big difference if he's able to connect on those looks which are his looks it's the the ones he's going to get in abundance all the time and for him to be able to knock him down is uh is like a total game changer i think um any other i want to ask you one more thing about uh, another starter who has been awesome of late and maybe has kind of gone under the radar fred van vliet last night i I thought you know first quarter he just kind of uh, a bit of a rocky start for the Raptors offense. He kind of salvages it, gets them back on track. He goes 19 points, five boards, six assists, four steals, three of eight from deep. Um, to me, he looks like a lot more spry. He looks like he's kind of got like a little bit more pop to his game. What are your reads on, on Fred right now? I know the sort of longstanding concern about him has been the the, the wear and tear, the you know the, the, the deg- degradation of his bones uh, and whether or not that's going to be worth investing in on the next contract. I'm starting to feel pretty good about Fred Van Vliet just like not necessarily being on the precipice of complete decay as a player that maybe a lot of folks thought he might be earlier on this season. He's looking really good. What are your thoughts on Fred's recent play? And just like in general, the way he looks. Yeah, I think he looks really, really good. I think the biggest thing for me is like all of his three-point attempts now look very, very familiar and recognizable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you look back earlier on the season and some of the shot attempts, some of the, the, the way he was missing was just so uncharacteristic. Mm-hmm. And it was like, who is this player? And now everything like 
the way he's rising up, the willingness to rise up on contested threes. Um, and a lot of times the net is not moving. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a pretty good sign. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, the shots come along and uh, he talked at the beginning of the season that he wanted to finish a lot stronger, uh, that it wasn't so much about how he started this season because of the way things went last season. Mm-hmm. And so if this is the Fred that we're going to see the rest of the way, um, then, you know, the plan is a success. Sure thing. And yeah, I mean, you love to see like the super duper high arcing stuff. He had that one over Jokic on Tuesday where it like touched the ceiling and went in. Uh, <laughs> just b- beautiful vintage Fred stuff. And I will say, that's I the key there. Been... Th- yeah. That's the key, the arc, right? Yeah. Like, it's like when, a, when you see the arc like that, that's like, that's Fred's shot. Yeah, it's like Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s launch angle uh, for, for the baseball heads out there. When the launch angle's up, buddy, you're in for an MVP-level season. Um, I also think Fred's looked better defensively the last little while as well. Like He was looking like Swiss cheese early on this season with the yeah. blow-bys he was giving up, just looking a, a step slow going laterally. I think he looks a lot better. You know, he guarded Shea last night as his main defender. I'm surprised, actually, that we didn't see more OG on Shea. You know, they had moments. Everyone switched on him at some point or another at some point. But uh, for the most part, Fred, 7 minutes and 35 seconds per the NBA.com matchup data, guarding Shea by far the most on the team. The Thunder score 44 points on 41 parcel possessions, which is not like they, you know, held them in check. You know, if Shea goes 4 of 7, he has 3 assists, 3 turnovers. You'll take that, certainly, uh, from his primary defender. Uh, Are you noticing that as well with with Fred's defense, that it's just looking a little bit more just like he doesn't look like he's a step slow right now? And, And it's also probably partly to do with the fact that they have just arms and length everywhere behind him now with Yak in that starting five and the OG Siakam Barnes trio across two through four with Barnes, I think, playing a lot better defense as well himself. Um, but what are your impressions of Fred's D right now? Because I think that's as big of the story as like the three-point shot coming back. I think the defense for him coming back alive is uh, is really significant too. Yeah, 100%. I think <clears throat> that ma- the matchup's to start the night were really interesting to put OG on Giddy and to put Fred on Shea. And, mm. you know, Nick talked about, you know, Shea's first step just being so lethal. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, can we get Fred to like face guard him a little? Can we get him to really get into his airspace and just dig at the ball constantly and take away some of that? Uh, and, and he did do some of that. And then to your point about having Yak in the picture, it's like, hey, when you do get blown by, it's like, you've got this elite seven foot rim protector that you Mm got to think twice about. Um, And uh, obviously he's not dropping as deep as he did in San Antonio. And he's showing up uh, to a solid level where Shea is like, okay, I got to kick it out here or, you Mm -hmm. know, make a decision accordingly. Obviously Shea is so good. He ends up with 19 points in the first half on nine to 10 shooting. Ridiculous, (laughs) man. God, (laughs) so good. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, again, process-wise is all you can really focus on mm-hmm. with a guy like that, with guys like that. Uh, and I think process-wise, they did do uh, quite a few things right. And Fred has been looking better defensively. And I think, you know, those blow-bys before where teams were just getting all the way to the basket and now it looks terrible 
mm-hmm. on Fred. Like that's not being seen as much because you've got Yak there just, yeah. you know, buying him time to recover, buying him time with just players having to, you know, think twice. Uh, and, and so those two uh, have combined well. And, you know, as much as we talk about the pick and roll on the offensive end, um, when you have pick and roll defense like that, it changes the dynamic of the team. For sure. And, you know, just to kind of build upon that, oftentimes the sort of split second that Yak makes the ball handler have to think when he kind of gets in the middle of the floor there affords Fred the time to recover and uh, drop the iron fists on the ball and take it away, which is uh, pretty swell. Four steals for him last night. Uh, yeah, looking good, man. It's uh, it's nice to see. I, I think at this point I'd be pretty surprised if fred is not like the top priority this offseason non-yak division for the raptors like i feel like he's played himself pretty comfortably into being back with the team i, I don't really know how much of you even a question that is at this point he's been really good for like two and a half months now after his tough start um so i'm willing to chalk the first part of the season up as a bad slump uh tied to health and all that and i think uh it's looking pretty promising right now for fred's return uh next season Agreed. Yeah, I think the only way he wasn't going to be back as a Raptor was a trade. Yeah. And I think now with the trade deadline having passed, like I, I fully expect them to offer a deal that makes him resign. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think they would really look for a sign and trade because, again, mm-hmm. sign and trades, you, you never really get fair value back. Mm-hmm. And I think Fred is too good of a player uh, and still young enough where you don't accept that type of fate. Yeah, I think that's uh, right on. And by the way, 34 minutes for Fred last night. 34 minutes for Pascal. The minutes. Beautiful. The minutes Amazing are coming down, baby. You give good players to the coach. What the hell? They don't have to play so much? Wow, what a wild turn of events. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side. Big V, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. The way we round out every single Raptors recap episode. We will get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however, today's show is brought to you by Better help and look therapy can be a daunting thing to try to dive into right it's something that uh it makes you vulnerable you're talking about yourself you're getting deep into your feelings your emotions but better help can be there and they can help you get to know yourself it can be a lifelong process to do it especially because we're always growing and changing but therapy is the way to help deepen your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't even know what we want we don't know what the best reaction to a certain situation might be we don't know all of the answers and therapy can help you get there and give you a little bit more self-awareness better help connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are to wherever it is you want to go if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be super convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge that's huge because not everybody has the tools to handle every type of emotion or, or problem and some therapists have certain specialties and you might get along with one person better than you do another you might feel more comfortable with another person being able to switch your therapist anytime for no additional charge that is huge discover your potential with better help visit betterhelp.com slash locked on nba today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on nba all right we continue on here with the good the bad and the hmm the way we close out every toronto raptors recap episode here 
Unlocked on Raptors. Uh, let's start with the good, shall we, Big V? A thing you really liked from this game. There's a lot to choose from. What you got? Yeah, OJ Ananobi uh, is the good for me. I think he's mm, he's looking good. <laughs> he's been incredible <laughs> over this stretch, and uh, I thought uh, if you go back to the end of the second quarter, the end of the first half, like he was all over that run uh, where they mm-hmm. built a little bit of separation. It was a close game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's just everywhere defensively getting on the end of things offensively and throwing down dunks, um, getting yak that dunk. Um, and I think think he's just having a really, really special run and hopefully it stays like this to close the season. And, you know, people remember that, oh, this is a guy who should absolutely be on the all defensive team, uh, this season. Um, and you know, quickly, when I know, I know you mentioned the starting lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. When OG and Yak have shared the floor, uh, they have a one hundred five point nine defensive rating. And Oof. Oof. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's scary hours when those two are on the court. Um, there's another stat I have for you, but I know we're going to get into a bit of uh, you know the center discussion, so I'll, I'll save that for a bit later. But yeah, mm-hmm. everything OG has done um over the last while this season as a whole um it's amazing to see the consistency with the three-point shot um and yeah if if he plays like this and continues to get the threes up that's i think one thing we've talked about uh with this starting five especially right like fred Mm -hmm. and og are just gonna have to take every three every three that comes their way and and they're doing that it seems like his shot readiness has been like uh, really kind of standing out, right? Like it's he knows that with the guys they have, there are going to be wide open threes coming his way, and he seems to know exactly that. Like there was that situation in the second half last night where there was like a scramble, a couple of offensive rebounds that taps out to him, and he's just like, yep, this is my shot. Here we go. Step into it. Cash. Uh, by the way, I'm just pulling up my uh, unnamed food delivery app here. going to order some crow. I'm going to eat some crow. Forever <laughs> suggesting OG getting traded at the deadline was like a good idea. Uh, I, I There were certain arguments for it. There still might be arguments for it. I don't want to see it happen because he rules. And uh, watching him just uh, like eat opposing uh, offensive players while also throwing down yams and just being a just a perfect complimentary offensive player to this group right now. Uh, it's a delight, and I don't want to see OG Ananobi go anywhere. Uh, by the way, go read Blake's great piece over at Sportsnet yesterday, breaking down the OG contract extension situation, which could change a little if the CBA changes for the new league year. Uh, we'll keep you posted on that as it progresses, but if there's an opportunity to extend OG Ananobi this summer, mm, yeah, let's uh, let's look into that, shall we? Because he rocks, and uh, uh, truthfully... Little disappointed he didn't guard Shea last night just to give some defensive player of the year clout, uh, you know, just like to pile on that case, you know. Um, you know, maybe Shea goes off and ruins the case entirely. Maybe they were preserving his defensive, uh, all defense case, but uh, either way, my good, uh, we talked about it at the top, but Pascal kind of returning to form is my good, pretty obvious, really nice to see. Uh, we talked about all the reasons why it was great the playmaking being on display, the eight assists. We haven't really seen, I think, a big playmaking game from him like that in a while. Nice and lovely to see that. In addition to the touch, the three-pointers falling. He was at, going into last night's game, he was at 42% in catch-and-shoots from three since the act trade. Hit a couple more last night. 
keep a number on keep an eye on that number. That's an important number to watch here. Uh, my yes. honorary mention is Ron Harper's head top celebration every time a Raptor throw down, throws down a dunk. It's like the the stank face plus the head top. It's great. Uh, shout out Ron Harper, very good bench celebrator. That Ron Harper, uh, Christian Coloco, I think both have been excellent bench celebrators all season long. Well done to them. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'll also throw in uh, I believe post game. He spent some time with fans. There was, I think, there was a bit of a Q and A thing going on, and uh, so shout out to Ron. Shout out to Ron. Uh, let's go to the bad, shall we? Not a ton of bad in this game. Uh, I, I, I alluded to it earlier. Will Barton, as much as the shooting is nice, he's not really doing it for me, man. He was one of six in this game. Uh, it's nice to have him out there for space. Does he often capitalize on that space? No, kind of feels like he has his customary one bucket per game that he gets, and that's fine. The reason I bring this up is because I'm just imagining those in-between lineups with the spacer next season being a fresh and rested Otto Porter Jr., and it makes me very excited. Otto will be healthy next year, right? It'll be fine. He's going to be totally great. He's going to play 70 games. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> but that, that is my uh, that's my bad. It's just Will Barton, you know, for the situation, it's fine, but also... So what you get with a bio guy. It is what you get with a bio guy. It's, uh, I guess, better than Jason Thompson ever provided. So, uh, yeah. you know, take what you can get. Did you have a bad from this game? Uh, a bad from this game? I mean, not really. You know, when you look at the end uh, of the game, I was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we'll... Malachi Flynn kind of have a good moment here, you know, some kind of positivity to carry over and all that. That's not happening. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, game like that, we don't need a bad. No, that's, yeah. We're, we're, I'm sorry for being a hater with Will Barton. I just keep on thinking about <laughs> Otto Porter Jr. And I need to just shoehorn him in somehow. Oh, let's go to the hmm, shall we? Maybe the juiciest thing in this final segment. Precious Achua gets a DNPCD. Christian Coloco. The backup five in some, uh, I think, pretty good minutes as well. Didn't score, but put together, I, I thought, some nice sequences of rim protection. Opponents shot three of nine against him when he was the closest defender in the game. That's it checks out with the eye test and all of that. Uh, where do you come down on the Precious thing? Because I, I think there are two schools. I thought I know where Oren Weisfeld was tweeting about this and how he wishes they just ride with Precious even though he's struggling. I'm kind of of the other opinion. Like, I don't think tough love is a bad thing. I think players respond differently to different styles of coaching, and it's hard to know what the right call is with each guy. You know, everybody responds differently to every kind of, you know, even at your own job, you you respond different to different management styles and all of that. I don't see a huge problem with Precious not playing, and if he gets a little time out from the rotation here, I actually was calling for that this week because he's just not played well. And when you have sequences of rim protection where you refuse to lift your arms above your head, maybe that should warrant a benching. I don't know. Uh, what's your thought? Were you all right with the precious DNPCD? And on the development thing, too, like, you're also developing Coloco. That's valuable as well. Like, you can develop two guys or one guy. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be an either-or thing. It's just Precious not playing really well right now. What were your thoughts on that? Do you have a problem with Precious sitting on the pine all day? Uh, no, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think he's uh, his play has warranted playing time uh, mm-hmm. currently. And so uh, I like the way Nick Nurse spoke about the situation as well. And he said that, you know, he doesn't think that uh, defending fives is really best for Precious right now. And mm-hmm. so he's going to have to basically crack the wing rotation, 
which is mm-hmm. going to be a very difficult thing to do. Uh, but that's the reality of it. And mm-hmm. so Precious is just going to have to come through and show things in practice that weren't getting back in the rotation. And uh, Nick Nurse was also supportive of him and saying, hey, it's been a tough season. He's had He obviously had that big ankle injury. Yeah. Um, and he's had his ups and downs. And he said that they're going to figure it out together. And so yeah. you mix the tough love of, you know, getting the DMP CD with saying that, hey, we're going to work together and figure this thing out. Uh, I, I think that's a healthy way to do it. And I think uh, the other thing is it's winning time. Yeah. <laughs> the Raptors <laughs> have said basically with the transactions they've made, with a, the way they've operated, that they are trying to just focus on winning right now. And when you look at what they have been able to pull off with centers on the court, here comes the other stat uh, that I was going to bring up. The Raptors, um, they have six lineups that have played at least an hour's worth of basketball. Mm-hmm. Four of which include a true center. Yeah. Yeah, either Jakob or Coloco um, and Ananobi, right? Mm-hmm. For those four units, each of those defensive ratings were ranked in the top five yeah. of the league. Yeah. So you put OG and a center out there, <laughs> a real one, good things are going to happen. Um, and I, I think that's the reality of it. Nick Nurse sees it when you have that type of rim protection with obviously the size and the length that this team has. Uh good things will happen. And so Precious has to find a way to crack that wing rotation now. I, mm-hmm. I think Coloco's uh, minutes against OKC were good. Um, I don't expect him to be consistent. No. There will be uh, you know, a night where he looks very much like a rookie, and that might be an opportunity for Precious. But mm-hmm. outside of that, um, outside of maybe Chris Boucher getting himself in foul trouble, you know, <laughs> Uh, I, I think it's going to be up to those practices and going as hard as possible um, and playing with force. Uh, that's something that I've talked about where when you go back to last season, during the bad stretch, during the good stretch, Precious was playing with force. That mm-hmm. you could not question, right? It was always with aggressive intent. And I think over the last while, he has lost some of that. And whether that's confidence or overthinking or, you know, even some of that polish that we were talking about that we were seeing, it's like maybe Precious just needs to be a guy that isn't polished. Yeah. <laughs> and just plays with that <laughs> abandon. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's an archetype for him to assume here that's like, uh, you know, downhill wing slasher type. And, you know, obviously the three-point shooting's got to be there for that to have any, you know, juice to it. But uh i you know look i i just talked about will barton i'd love nothing more if precious achua can nudge will barton out of that wing spot and you can roll with lineups with precious boucher and coloco along with trent and pascal or trent and fred or trent and whomever and make them work i would love that 
it's going to require Precious to be a lot better and a lot more refined than he's been. And hey, maybe it's something that comes next season and you're not going to figure it out this year. That's also fine. Um, but I, I think a little healthy competition is never a bad thing when it comes to back end rotation spots and just handing guys minutes is uh, usually not the greatest idea if you want to try to maximize what you're doing. And as much as everyone might think, oh, well, what are they fighting for? The eighth seed? Like, yeah, they're fighting for the eighth seed. They're trying to win these games. These are high leverage games they're playing. Uh, they're trying to get reps in they're trying to do what they can to get into a plane and get as favorable a spot as they can uh i I have no problem with prioritizing winning right now because i think you're sending mixed messages if you make a yakka purtle trade and then it's all about well we got to develop and the wins don't matter like that that seems like uh you know the the misdirection that the team is kind of was struggling with for the first 60 games of the year um we're going to leave it there. This was uh, a fun game to break down, Big V. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Just the usual stuff, raptors.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob. Go ahead and do that. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube. Please go ahead and do that. It's much appreciated and uh, always appreciate the support. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs, as the Buds head into the weekend with, uh, you know, not a lot of time left in the NHL season, but they're looking pretty good to host that first-round series against Tampa, uh, which already has me feeling very stressed out. So go check them out. Also, Locked on Blue Jays is back very soon. Craig Ballard is going to be your new host of Locked on Blue Jays. Go subscribe. It's going to be starting up in the next couple weeks here with the season drawing close. Uh, Lots of great stuff on the Locked on Network for all of your Toronto sports needs. We'll leave you there. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back again Monday to break down a pair of games for the Raptors against the Wolves and Bucks. Correct. That's a tough one, baby. Let's go. We'll uh, we'll get to it on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.